You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. Catherine Teer is an etymologist for the Oxford English Dictionary. I asked her to look into the etymology of the word Machiavellian. Thank you for joining me, Catherine. Hello. Uh, so let me ask first, how do you research uh, the etymology of a word like Machiavellian? It's generally researching the etymology of a word that comes into the language at that kind of period in the 16th, 17th century is relatively straightforward because there's a lot of material to, to get back to. So we can look up in databases and obviously books, but a lot of books have been put into databases, into sources of the period to see when the word was first used and what context the word is used in and what form the word appears in. And we can do similar things for other European languages and can see if there's a connection, for instance, if the word is first used in a translation, then we can, and then what the original text of the translation says. So if the word is first used in the translation and you can see there's an equivalent word in the foreign language, then it is quite likely to come from that language. In the case of Machiavellian, that is not the case. So all the English words we have are first attested, or as first as far as we know, first attested in texts that were written in an English context that are not translations from other languages. That's fascinating. So you, you actually have most of the, your sources are now online. A lot of the resources and the most easily accessible resources. In the past, there would, well, there still are a lot of people who go, go out and read books and mark up interesting words for us. And they, they still exist, but now we can also have computers do the same reading for us very quickly. And there are some big projects where early texts early printed books are scanned in systematically. Wow, that's fascinating. Now, uh, l- let's talk about the word Machiavellian. Um, it, it, first off, what's interesting to me is that th- this process of converting somebody's name into an adjective, did that, had that happened often before the word Machiavellian was coined? You didn't mention that earlier, so I haven't actually been able to look that up. But in general, it does happen quite often in the English language, so I wouldn't be surprised if it happened earlier than that as well. Could you, well, tell us about Machiavellian. When was it first used as, a, as an adjective and why? It is actually first used as a noun, interestingly. Oh, really? The very first derivative from Machiavelli is Machiavellist, which appears in 1565, and a year later we've got Machiavellian as a noun, and in 1572, we have it as an adjective. So bearing in mind that this is the earliest use as far as we know, it's quite possible, indeed it's likely, that it was used before that. First of all, we, in that period, we are unlikely to find the very, very first written mention because it's probably not going to survive. And secondly, people will have said words before they put them to print. So these exact years are really just the first surviving printed evidence. And and who used it and in what context did they use it? 
The, the first one, the Machiavellist one, is used in an apology of the Church of England, where someone had attacked the followers of the Reformation as discoursing Parliament Machiavellists and all other, and, and all other whatsoever flesh worms, merchants, and idle artificers. So somebody really didn't like the followers of the English Reformation and accused them of being Machiavellists as, as an insult, essentially. So at that, that point already, Machiavelli is associated with something negative. It is interesting that it first appears in, in several derivatives in religious contexts. Really? Yes. That probably has to do with the fact that Machiavelli's thoughts and ideas very much put religion into the second place. But he says some very insulting things about Christianity and that Christianity has too much humility and that the old Roman gods and the old Roman religion was a lot better for effective statecraft. And Christians took offense to that. And at the same time, they used it if they wanted to offend others. And this, of course, is the same period that we have great splits in the Christian church. So you can see how Christian groups can use it to offend each other. That's fascinating. And so it was first used as a kind of a, a religious insert, insult to uh, suggest that the person was, was not Christian and underhanded. Or at least not, not acting in a proper Christian way, in what the group thought of as the right way. At the same time, this calling these re reformed people these new Protestants, essentially, calling them Parliament Machiavellists, suggests that they're not only wrong, but they're also wrong in a political way. The context is religious, but there is, st there is still the idea that Machiavelli's ideas are political ideas. So politics and religion at that time are still very, very closely linked. There's no division between state and church, so the two can often not be separated. One of the things that, that uh, I read in the uh, etymology was that Machiavellian, the, the last part, Vellian, bears a great resemblance to the word villain. Oh yes, and that was used a lot. And not only that, another thing was that at the time the name was probably pronounced Machiavelli not necessarily in Italian, but in English. So people used both, both halves of the word to make puns on it. So you have match villains, match devils, match evil, all in a variation of Machiavelli, Machiavellian. Yes, the, the form of the very foreign sounding word Machiavellian, or as it was pronounced at the same time, Machiavellian, lent itself very much to punning. So it looks very much like the second part of the word is really villain. And a lot of people picked up on that and made puns, called, called their opponents match villains, or indeed went to make up slightly more removed things like match evil, match devil from it. So the first quote for Machiavellian, or Machiavellian as a noun is from 1566. He is a mortal enemy, a right match villain. 
spelled, written in two words. Wow, <laughs> that's fascinating. Um, could you talk about, as it's moved through the ages, did it ever get uh, any positive connotations? There, there aren't any that have been so prominent that they made it into the dictionary. So basically, I have no evidence here, and short of going back to the databases to find one-offs, I can't really say very much about that. I did have a look a bit at an, at an article about reception of Machiavelli and the suggestion that in very early use, he was referred to as something positive by certain politicians, certain exponents of statecraft. But once he starts getting systematic de derivatives formed, like once you have Machiavellist, Machiavellian, it, the connotation seems to be either neutral or derogatory, and also derogatory from the start. Did you look into the way it's used now? I guess in currently in politics, we have a lot of people accusing um, each side, accusing the other of Machiavellian tactics. That is, I had a, I had a look on Google actually for uses because the dictionary article was published before all this started, so there are no examples at the moment in the dictionary. But I had a look at Google if there's any change in usage, and there isn't. It is used a lot more because several parties now have cause again to accuse each other of Machiavellism because there's a big conflict. But the use of the word seems to be pretty much the same that it has been for centuries. Once the religious and the political were separated, in the earlier modern period, at the end of the early modern period, the word became solely political. And it has been so for several hundred years now, or a couple of hundred years. So the use we see now in the context of the Iraq war is the same use that we would have seen a hundred years ago. Could you talk about one of the things about Machiavelli was he, he was, his writings were forbidden to be published from the get-go, and yet they were somewhat well-known. Uh, how did he, his name become an insult when his writings weren't even available? There is available and available. And as many of us may remember from school, anything that is forbidden is particularly attractive. So while the, were, the books were both on the Catholic Index, and also banned in Elizabethan England. They were extremely popular at the time with educated people, with thinkers. Remember, it is a time of upheaval, religious upheaval and political upheaval that go goes with this. So people are interested in state philosophy. And also it's a time when educated people would have been quite fluent in French and Latin and often also Italian. So the fact that there wasn't a translation in England until the 16th century does not mean that the text hadn't, wouldn't have been read. The text was printed many times before in Italian, and copies would probably have been available even if illegally. And the text was also translated into French and into Latin in the, in the course of the 16th century. Another thing to remember is that there's more than one major work. The prince was published last but it was actually written first. And there are two other works, The Discourses and The Art of War, which 
have some of the same ideas in them which were written later. And The Art of War was already translated into French in, the, in 1546. The Discourses in 1548 and The Prince in 1553. So even if people didn't know Italian at that point, French translations would have been available. And also The, the Art of War is, in, is translated into English in two parts between 1560 and 1562. So even if The Prince itself wasn't available in the vernacular, some of the ideas would have been easily accessible, and everything would have been available to people who were educated enough to speak Italian. And philosophy and philosophy of state tends to be the prerogative of the educated at that time. And could you talk a little bit about some of the specifically, the specific, I guess, subsets of the meaning of Machiavellian? And say Machiavellian means this and this and this. Interestingly, there are not very many subsets. I had a look, and all the entries we have have only one sense. The sense is, is a bit um, detailed in that you say a Machiavellian, for instance, is a person who adopts the principles recommended or supposed to have been recommended by Machiavelli, and a person who practices expediency in preference to morality, which is essentially the same as the previous sentence, just a bit more specific, and then an intriguer or schema. So these are all gradings of the general sense of a person who adapts, adopts the principles of Machiavelli, except that some variation is in the knowledge or the idea of what the principles of Machiavelli really are. And there's a general and an increasing idea from the mid-16th century onwards that the ideas of Machiavelli are very self selfish, tyrannical rule. That is not true in quite that, in quite, in, sorry, start again. That's, this isn't true in quite that exact and strong sense. Machiavelli's idea is, is more about using force when it is deemed necessary. It is in a way that we would still think of as quite wrong, but it is not in an absolute way, not in a way that suggests that he will always ever only use force. In, in fact, he recommends that the prince avoids to attract hatred. But all these, these bits and pieces are forgotten, and people home in on the, on the idea of evil, tyrannical rule by force, and anything that is associated with that. So the shadings of the meanings are really going from religion to politics to daily life. But they are shades, shades of one sense. They're not distinct enough to even be separate senses. And, and can you talk a little bit about um some of the, the uh, cultural implications of this in, in terms of that we use it in a very specific way today, and, and it says something maybe about our culture and, and about the way we uh, look at words and uh, associate names with, with values as opposed to with works. Again, as part of 
the, of the previous answer is that, almost interestingly, not very much has changed. The association that is that is there now, the association of Machiavelli with that spe specific vice of totalitarian and tyrannical imposition of force, goes back to the earliest reception of his work and definitely to the end of the 16th century and has not changed very much since. Of course, this might say something about how little our, our culture has changed once it settled down after the upheavals of the early modern period, but that is really for historical philosophers to argue about. I think the almost absence of change is more interesting, or is the most interesting of this. Oh, that's really fascinating. One thing I read about was that I, I think before the prince was really available, the, there, uh, a, a Frenchman wrote a rebuttal, a Jean Thiers? Yes. A, a called, I guess, Against Machiavelli. And, and he, that was known before um, Machiavelli himself was known. Again, this is not a matter of known. It's a matter of when it was published. Jean-Thierre's work was written in 1570, or rather published in 1576, and it was a very, very widespread... Uh, sorry again. Jean-Thierre's work was published in 1576, and it was very widespread and very well-known. A lot of people read it. And in fact, what he says is at the, at, at the bottom of a lot of our ideas of Machiavellianism up to this day. So in a way, here's the origin of our ideas of what Machiavelli is, as opposed to what, what Machiavelli really wrote. Interestingly, though, well, th this work has had so much influence. The earliest words, as he said, Machiavellist in 1565, Machiavellian in 1566, in a very negative sense are already there 10 years earlier. So while Jean-Thierre had a lot of influence, he's not the sole cause of the negative connotations. And was there anything else of interest that your research turned up? One thing I found interesting, I really stumbled on while I was looking for something different, is a claim made by somebody in, in a letter, essentially. Now, if we remember, you said that the prince was not officially available. The prince was translated in 1600. And I also mentioned the Art of War was translated in 1560. The discourses were only translated in 1636 or published, as I try to remind myself to stress. Because in this letter, written in, or, or rather published in, 1572, somebody points out the three books of Machiavelli's discourses translated by me out of Italian into English more than 14 years past, which would put it into the 1550s. Now, there's no trace of this translation, and we don't even know if it's true, but we don't see a reason why this person would lie either. But it might just be an indication of how much might have existed underground that is lost today.
So this was like a so Machiavellian was was an underground slang because the book work itself was underground yes. before before it was normal uh, came into mainstream usage. Yes, which is, goes to show again that at a time of strict censorship, the first publication does not mean that it is the first translation or the first what that is known of the book. Indeed, another thing is that the Italian books were published in England in 1584 in Italian and claiming to be published in Palermo. So to disguise the fact that forbidden books were being published. That was the, the John Wolfe publication, right? Yes, yes. Could you talk about maybe just the, the publishing environment back then? Well, it, it seems like a lot of these things, these were, you know, people with um, who... It wasn't uh, a, a, these publishers, publications weren't from institutions. They were from individuals, weren't they? Yes. No, publishing was not an industry as it is now. We remember in the late 16th century, this is about 100 years after the invention of the printing press. It is still quite a new technology. And a lot of things would still have existed in manuscript, and many would not have made it to publication ever. And on the other hand, people would go. People who could afford a printing press would have their own printing press at home and publish things, just publish small print runs of pamphlets, leaflets, whatever, the kind of thing we do on, a, on an office photocopier these days. And so I, I, one thing I wanted to find out is this all, you, you gleaned this all from, from your data archives then. This was all from based on scanned in documents, which I guess they do OCR so you can search for the actual text string. You're not just looking at an image of the text. There are different, the different types of databases, and even the same databases have different things in them. So what, what exactly do you want me to say about this? Uh, well, I, I'm just curious uh, about the 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 ex the extent of how much you guys have scanned in, and it, it be, just because um, I mean, ten years ago, I don't think you you would have been you would have been buried in uh, books. Is that correct? Oh yes, and we still are, but it is a lot easier now because in in the last ten years, as you said, a lot has been done, a lot of projects, both publicly and privately funded projects, in all over the world have produced databases of scanned text, collections of scanned images, scanned images with text attached so you can search for it and then look at the image, which is great because the older the text is, the harder it is to scan correctly because of old typefaces that scanners can't read properly and all that. So a lot has become available since then in several languages. And we can go out and translate, sorry, and and check both English and the languages English translates on such databases. But a lot of them are not connected, and they're projects that particular institutions set up. And they can be very, dif very different in their availability and access. Some have free access, some will be in many libraries, and some will only be in big universities. And I'd like you to, once again, just give me a recap of of the definition of a Machiavellian. Machiavellian is first attested in 1566 as a, as a noun and slightly later as an adjective. 
describing a follower of Machiavelli or a person who adopts his principles, the principle he recommended or the principles that he is supposed to have recommended. And from that, a person who practices a certain type of morality and from that an intriguer. It is usually a derogatory term and it is first used in various words, both Machiavellian and words like Machiavellist or Machiavellian in a religious context. So it's a, it's a political religious context in an environment where politics and religion weren't and very, very strongly separated. Once the separation occurs, the word becomes purely political. And this is the way we still use it now. We've been speaking with Catherine Tier. She's an etymologist for the Oxford English Dictionary. Thank you for joining me, Catherine. Thank you very much. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.